Hey, everyone. ESG Energize is sponsored by our friends at mCloud. Their solutions help companies maximize production, automate operations, and optimize predictive maintenance. And on the heels of the Inflation Reduction Act, their emissions management solution is so incredibly relevant. So I would encourage you all to go check them out, mcloud.corp, to learn more. Welcome to ESG Energized, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here are your hosts, Delfina Govia. My name is Delfina Govia, and many of you know me as a partner at Veritas Total Solutions, an innovative management consulting firm where I lead the ESG practice alongside my ETRM colleagues. Ladies and gentlemen, the ESG topic is viewed as both a threat and an opportunity for our industry. So to navigate these waters, we need partners who truly understand our business and approach us with respect and deference to the impossible feats we achieve every day to deliver the energy that sustains our world. In today's episode, I have the privilege of talking to mCloud that is offering artificial intelligence-based solutions to truly help us address challenges and seize opportunities to drive operational excellence. Vincent Higgins, president of oil and gas at mCloud, is joining me here today. Welcome to the ESG Energize podcast. Thank you, Delphina. Great to be here. Wonderful. So I am very excited to have this conversation because mCloud is one of North America's fastest growing technology companies. Why is that? Well, we are, we've been quite successful in uh, our work in multiple industries, uh, those being uh, the hydrocarbon industries, uh, commercial buildings and EV charging, uh, and wind and renewables. Uh, we are public joined the NASDAQ last November, and we're growing uh, leaps and bounds right now. What do you think the secret to that is? Well, I think it's first about the people, uh, the people we've hired, the passion we have, and the strategic um, initiatives around our, our asset care IoT platform, which molds into uh, and addresses some of the biggest problems in these various verticals that I've mentioned. So can you give me an example, and you can pick any vertical that you like? Sure. Let's talk about our commercial building space. Okay. Uh, for multiple years now, we have been um, monitoring and controlling all of Bank of America's branch offices, about 3,400 branch offices in the United States. We manage their... Uh, HVAC systems, their thermostats. So, for instance, Joe Banker, before leaving for the weekend, just before leaving, he decides to lower the temperature in his office to 65 degrees. Well, the algorithm in the cloud will bring that up to 75, 78 degrees until Monday morning when it comes back down to a reasonable number. So we're saving tens of millions of dollars for Bank of America in terms of electric bills just using simple tools around uh, AI and the cloud, and taking control of uh, energy-intensive assets like HVAC systems. So you say simple, but I think that to the rest of us, it's not. Because getting information 
from the edge and information or data from the edge to be able to send information that is actionable back to the edge, leveraging the cloud is simple for you, but not the rest of us. So am I getting, am I getting it right? Yes and no. I think uh, the technology is proven. Um, the cloud is something that's actually quite secure. It's built from the ground up as a cloud security system. So the data that you're capturing and bringing back into the field is much more secure, for instance, than the legacy control systems of 30 years ago, which are on-premise. Um, this was built, cloud is built from the ground up for security with all of the new up ways and approaches and threats uh, that the internet could provide. So it's uh, times have changed. Uh, cybersecurity is obviously very important to us because we're taking data and some cases like Bank of America, we're controlling assets in the field. So very, very important that we get that right. And we, we certainly do. That is music to the ears of all of us in the oil and gas industry. We're very sensitive to issues of security. So asset care is that like an internet of things platform would that be a good way of describing it yes a industrial iot platform ah. that focuses on monitoring and you might call it dashboarding or bringing insights back to the client but also in some cases taking control of that asset from the cloud be it uh, an oil well or an hvac system or a electric vehicle charging station or a wind farm uh, we are in many cases using the data in real time, minute by minute, to improve the and optimize the uh, daily activity of that asset. Ah, so one could leverage this information to address any severity that of, of a problem that might be in the field and allow people to take action because they've got that info. Am I getting it? Am I getting it right? Yes, yes. So we have a um, live operations center that looks at all the data, at all the alarms from uh, the close to seventy thousand assets that we are. We call it asset care because we're taking care of the asset. In some cases, we don't control the asset. The operator, uh, the customer, controls it. They'll have dashboards. They'll, for instance, in the digital oil field, we rank all of the wells in a particular field and determine which actions are to be taken at each wellhead. Um, and so when you go out there with the mobile device, you can see all of the issues around maintenance, around optimization that need to be addressed and may it be able to address multiple issues in the one visit, You know, reducing things like windshield time as you drive around. One operator may be responsible for 50 or even 100 wells, and he may jump from well to well with his hair on fire, essentially trying to figure out what to fix. With all of the data organized for them and all of those insights at their fingertips with the mobile platform, they're able to really step back and take a look at what's most important to do and save time and money in that effort. So we don't always take control of the asset, but where we do, we also have the dashboarding and the actionable items that, that the uh, end user is able to see and monitor in real time. Okay, so... Let me address one of our largest challenges and, dare I say, pet peeves out in the oil field. And that is working with technology companies 
that come and do things to us as opposed to partner with us. You're talking about a tremendous amount of input that needs to go into this asset care system and help me help me understand and be comfortable when I'm working with asset care to know that the inputs that are going in are really what I need. Well, we see, first of all, um, asset care and the use of asset care as a partnership. Um, we have sub- very good subject matter experts in each of the verticals. Often when you go into the field like the digital oil field, some of our folks know a lot more than the operators themselves. Typically, um, our consultants, our folks are 30 plus years in the oil field. So they're not new and they've seen it all because they've lived it. They themselves. were us. Yes. They, they've <laughs> pulled plungers in plunger lift systems. They've, they've managed large production um, uh, you know, wells and things. So you know, part of it is having that subject matter expertise um, assessing upfront where we see the needs to be in terms of data and data collection. And then within a month, month and a half, they will begin to see the dashboards that will help them better understand their own field. Uh, in a recent, um, uh, with a recent customer, we looked at downtime of wells and they realized that first of all, they were down a lot more than they thought because they weren't really monitoring all the wells properly. So we talk about optimization and predictive maintenance is really important. Um, but also things like supply chain where, you know, you have to think ahead as th- there's a decline in performance um, from a maintenance perspective. And you have to take action in ordering parts before the failure actually happens. So we're leveraging the platform and the information also to to be uh, preventative and proactive Correct. in this space. So you you actually... Uh, made me remember of one of the times I was talking to a buddy of mine who uh, manages, has managed many fields and and assets in his lifetime, and he was talking about one instance where they had deployed a technology that it wasn't exactly uh, a partnership, as you're describing, and the whoever had made the decision to use this technology to monitor wells was pointing to it and saying, look, see, look how we've, we've improved by using this technology. And when they actually finally did the after-action review, is that the reason why they had a, a lift in production and it was showing positive results wasn't because of the technology itself, was because they were actually, they had a pilot program and everybody's eyes were on these assets. So to your point about you did, you thought you were doing well, but you weren't doing as well as you did is because you kind of don't have the visib- you don't have enough time and people to put the eyeballs on everything that needs to be watched. That's, that's very, very true. And, and especially today, those that are out in the field are quite many times young and they haven't seen the issues that others have faced of the veterans that have been around a much longer time having visibility to the issues at the level of the asset and then um, ranking or determining what's the best use of my time every day when I go out onto the field is is very important the people-centric nature of asset care where the the people are that the resource that is so much in demand and so so much in need, and yet 
you only have so many hours in the day to do to do your job. So I think I think asset care is very people centric, as we were discussing before we started the podcast. That part of the, our business, the mobile aspect of our business, we call it connected worker, um, provides really strong results because you're literally getting much more time effectively out of each individual in the field. But you hit on something that right now to me is near and dear to my heart because I have a child who is a junior getting her degree in petroleum engineering at the wonderful University of Texas at Austin. And she's been going through interviews for the summer internships for next year. And she actually had one organization say to her, uh, when we hire you, you need to be a self-starter because we're just going to put you out there and you're just going to have to figure it out. And I just kind of listened to that and I said, oh, dear Lord. It's pretty scary. We need to to make sure that our young folks are getting trained. And so what I'm hearing you say also is that the beauty of a system like this of, of a platform like this, excuse my, my words, a platform like this is that it also is giving us a mechanism for building knowledge with our younger folks and allowing us to really get the most out of the human assets that we have and improve the knowledge that our human assets yeah. have. And. You know, gen, Generation Y and Generation Z and Alpha, which are the, they'll be coming up soon into the workforce, um, they're digital natives. There was not a time that they didn't have a tablet in their hand. Um, my kids and grandkids got frustrated with me. I don't move fast. My fingers don't move fast <laughs> enough, right? Um, and I'm thinking I'm pretty techie, but yeah, not yeah. compared to them. They thrive, digital natives, uh, younger people on technology and having the data at their fingertips to, to make better decisions. And um, a, a, an IoT platform that extends itself into the field in, through mobile devices is a perfect match for a digital native because they, they feel empowered, they feel like they're contributing, and that's a very important part. It's not just about the money for a you know, Gen Y and Gen Z, as we know, with our kids. They want to have an impact, impact in their business, an impact on the bottom line. And they um, they do that through technology. That's that's how they're that's how they contribute. They they're very quick in looking things up, finding the answer, and applying the answer in the in the field. And get very frustrated, like you say, with with those of us that we pa- think we're we think we're fast, and yeah. they're just like really pa- paper really and pen- mom. <laughs> paper and pencil are a thing of the past. <laughs> they need to be for the oil field and other areas too. So the other thing that I've noticed about the younger generation is they have been not only are they digital natives but this world they're more connected in this world and they have more of a sense of responsibility social responsibility and if you allow me I might ask if we could use that to discuss what what is also important to them around social responsibility and talk about how this type of information, this type of platform can be leveraged to help with, let's say, the methane emissions reduction plan 
and the guidelines that are that are coming around from the EPA because they're very interested in climate change, mm-hmm. in reducing greenhouse gases. This is part of who they are and what they want to see. So can we leverage the same plas- platform and asset care to help us in this regard? Yeah. First, I'll make a comment about um, younger people when we interview. There are many young people that will not work for a company unless they have a very strong ESG um, platform or an ESG approach that's that's very environmentally friendly. Um, you know, if if you give a a young person a salary with one company and even a higher salary at another, they may go for the lower salary, knowing that they're they're what they're doing day to day has is ESG positive in terms of. The, the impact on the environment or vice versa. Um, then about the platform, I think uh, the people that join mCloud as employees, for instance, they are very excited about uh, joining a company like mCloud because we help companies in their energy efficiency and in their downtime and in their optimization. But at the same time, they, we also apply um, solutions around ESG. Methane is a really big deal right now. Um, we heard last year um, when uh, President Biden went to COP26 in, in Scotland, uh, released the U.S. Methane Emissions Reduction Action Plan, which was a set of guidelines for existing systems, for new facilities, and the entire supply chain all around methane emissions. And just a month ago, signed into law the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which codified in law and in regulation a lot of very interesting things for oil and gas companies. It was targeted to oil and gas companies in particular. And for certain, for a certain size oil and gas company, that means measuring things that they've never measured before in regards methane. And a lot of our customers are scrambling right now to... Um, to figure out how they're gonna begin to measure things they haven't measured regarding methane. And there are many solutions out there. There are optical solutions, thermal, acoustical, flybys, drone, satellite imagery, all of which together in some form or fashion are gonna be required to report to the EPA. And you know, what I see is we cannot report what we can't measure. And um, there's a bit of panic out there in, in the oil field because we don't know exactly how the EPA is going to ask for these ESG reports and dashboards, but we know that it will be multiple solutions, multiple detection methods in order to get the big picture on methane and methane emissions within a particular facility. Well, I think, if I remember correctly, they set aside a pretty large amount of money, wasn't it like $1.5 billion to monitor this from a governmental perspective. So if I'm somebody out here in the field, in the industry, and I know that the government is going to use a pretty significant amount of money to surveil, mm-hmm. is that, it, would that be the right word so, to use, yeah, Vincent? correct. Uh, to, to surveil what I'm doing, I probably need to get ahead of it myself and do my own surveillance so that I'm one step ahead. 
right? Correct. And they'll be able to tell、um, through you know, drone and flyby and, and satellite what's going on at pretty much every facility.、Um, those, that's surveillance. You need to be, we need to be ahead of the game and start taking action now. We don't know exactly when that surveillance will happen, but we know that it's coming. And、uh, these multiple approaches to, to methane mitigation. And it's not just detection, it's repair also. So the methane is something that, you know, we see it in flaring, we see it in venting.、Mm -hmm. And maybe more than anything in older facilities, we see it in leaks. Yeah. You know, older flanges,、uh, tanks, just name it. There's a lot of leaking going on in, from a methane perspective and other VOC gases, other greenhouse gases.、Um, and to measure those, we'll need all of these different systems、uh, and be able to report very specific things around carbon footprint and methane. So, having this discussion makes me even more nervous. So, hopefully, you can calm me down a little bit, Vincent. <laughs>、um, we're talking here about multiple types of detection. Right. Uh, visual, sniffers, audio,、uh, multiple types of detections, drones. That then generates different data outputs、Very、coming、different. from every one of these. And if we need to stay a step ahead, we need to have all of these different types of detection systems in place. And then we have all this different type of data coming from these different systems coming out, and then going to different stakeholders、mm -hmm. that need to use this. This is making my head spin and pretty complex and complicated.、Um, please tell me that it's not as bad as I think. It is complex.、Uh, there's a lot of different data types, visual.、Um, Acoustic,、uh, optical, many different data types.、Uh, that all, has, they, all that data has to be reconciled into an approach in terms of、uh, an, an overall look at, at methane and, and other、uh, VOCs. MCloud, knowing early on that this was coming, maybe not as quickly in terms of legislation,、uh, taking our IoT platform, which has been connecting to you know, compressors and pumps and wells and HVAC systems and Uh, and wind farms for some time and begin to connect into these different、um, sources of data for methane. And so, this is something we're rolling out now, and it's going to help customers get their arms around、um, these different approaches. There are a lot of customers that we see and prospects that are piloting individual detection methods for methane and、um, getting data. Going into a specific system, what we, we do is we collect the data from many systems and bring it together in a very logical way and create ESG dashboards. And what the EPA is going to want to see is,、um, and back to the you cannot report what you don't measure,、yeah. is to be able to start at the top at some sort of ESG score or a net zero score and drill down to the, to the facility, down to the unit, all the way down to the specific. Valve, the specific wellhead, whatever it might be, and be able to talk about things like carbon footprint and methane、um, actions that have been taken.、Um, part of our solution is also the repair. It's LDAR, that's becoming a pretty common phrase leak detection and repair. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask you <laughs> leak detection and repair. So 
the the t- detection is one part, but you need to be able to organize how you're going to make all these repairs, especially on older systems. And that end-to-end solution, we use a 3D, and we'll maybe in another podcast we can talk about it, the specific solution, but because we're going to run out of time here. But we superimpose all the leaks on a 3D world and plan out the 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 both the detection and the repair of those in a 3D environment. Uh, along with a lot of other data sources that come in around maintenance and um, a very interesting solution where you're using the metaverse, you know, <laughs> Facebook converted, changed their name from Facebook yeah. to Meta. Uh, we have an industrial metaverse platform that integrates into our leak detection and repair solution um, to form a, an approach or a way to to visualize all that information in real time. Instead of it having it on tables or in different screenshots it's it's actually in a 3d environment like a first person shooter game where you walk through and actually see these leaks superimposed on the on the equipment okay so our young folks are going to get really excited about this it's it's a lot of fun (laughs) it sounds like it i I need to get invited to 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 something like this so yeah we'll we're definitely going to dive into that on on another platform you're going to have to let me uh get you back on for that but i'm also listening to you uh, describe these things. And one of the messages that is really important to me for us as an industry to understand is that ESG as a topic is not just about compliance. It's not just about putting whatever we have to impl- put in place to stay one step ahead. Yes, we have to do that. Yes, we have to comply. But this is also about mitigating risks. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me that what we're driving with this is operational excellence. And operational excellence to us in the field is what it's all about. Operational excellence then allows you to have a competitive advantage uh, in, in the space. And that takes this whole topic of ESG to another level. Doing things the right way will always have a positive impact on the environment, whether it be how you operate things day to day. Uh, A lot of the mistakes, the human errors that happen in the field cause ESG concerns. Um, You know, human error is the number one cause of uh, a lot of ESG uh, accidents and things that we've all seen over the many years in the oil and gas industry in particular. And I think digital transformation is a one of the key elements to operational excellence, and the, that combination of digital transformation that enhances operational excellence ultimately provides a much stronger ESG plan towards a, a better world and a, a net zero for that particular um, customer. Vincent, I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> it's wonderful. So let's do this. Uh, you're going to promise me that you're going to come back on the show. I will. You will. Okay. And what I'd like to do is uh, give people an idea of where they might be able to go for some additional information. And I know that there are pictures of these different types of detection systems because people are probably imagining, you know, drones and what these different things look like. So can we provide people in the notes for the show a visual that they can access of these detection systems. Is that Absol- a- Absolutely. Okay, we'll make sure that that's available. And a website that they can go to. Would that be mcloudcorp.com? That's, I- that's right. 
Okay, we will put that, mcloudcorp.com, ladies and gentlemen, we will put that in the notes. And once again, Vincent Higgins from mcloud, tremendous pleasure to have you. Thank you, thank you, Delphine. We're going to do this again. Great to be here. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.